Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer. It is lovely to be with you this week for our Strata podcast. This week I am bringing you my chat with Mark Atkinson, the director of Atkinson Legal, which Mark tells me is the only specialist Strata law firm in Western Australia. I hope I don't receive emails about that, Mark. Mark was a founding director of Strata Community Australia and is also a fellow of the Australian College of Strata Lawyers. He has worked in Strata Law for close to 25 years and has been counsel in many of the leading WA cases in Strata Law. If you are in WA, and I know that we have many loyal WA listeners, then you probably know or have at least heard of Mark and Atkinson Legal. Mark has been heavily involved over many years, as you'll hear us say, in the WA law reform process, assisting the land agency in WA and many other associations to progress reform to the Strata Titles Act. And at the time I was speaking to Mark, the amended Strata Titles Act was scheduled to start the very next day, the 1st of May. I asked Mark to share his thoughts on the reforms. What is there to look forward to? What perhaps has been overlooked? And how he expects the world of strata and community living to adapt to this new legislation. Now, this is Mark's second time on the podcast. We talked back in episode 91 about the Cerisa River decision coming out of WA's Supreme Court back in 2017, in that case, a bylaw that effectively prevented short-term holiday letting was upheld. And I did ask Mark in our more recent chat whether there have been any changes to the legal position when it comes to short-term letting in WA as a result of these recent reforms. So you'll hear us mention the Cerisa River decision head back to episode 91 if you want some more detail on that one. As always, there are links in the show notes to this episode to the transcript and also the legislation itself if you want to check it out. As a New South Wales practitioner, having been through significant reform in the recent past, I do want to wish all of our WA practitioners, strata managers, service providers, and of course owners all the best navigating this new regime. If you do have questions about specific aspects of this new law and need some guidance or access to further resources, do reach out to me. I'm more than happy to put you in touch with Mark and you'll also hear Mark give his direct contact details at the end of the episode as well. Now, it's been a little while since you have heard from my co-host, Rena Van Alst, In more settled times, she's usually here with me every couple of weeks, as together we share our wins and our challenges with you as a strata manager from Rena's side and a strata lawyer on my side. But I want to let you know that Rena will be back with us next week. We're looking forward to catching up. 
I'll take you over now to my chat with Mark Atkinson. A quick apology for my mic quality in the first 60 seconds or so. Turned out my usual mic took a moment to get warmed up, but it joined me eventually. Enjoy. Mark Atkinson, welcome to the show. My absolute delight to be with you uh, virtually this afternoon, Amanda. Indeed, as that is the way things are done these days. However, at the time we're recording this, I think you guys in WA are having 10-person parties or something. Well, is we that are. happening? And, and our footballers are training and everyone's whinging about that. So we are absolutely loving it over here, killing it. So Jealous. Jealous. <laughs> Well, we're we're upping it to two in New South Wales, so we'll see how this weekend goes. Oh, that's good. It's not just a not just a solo pity party then. <laughs> no, you can have a visitor for that party. <laughs> All right. Now, our listeners may be surprised to hear that this podcast episode has been about twenty four years in the making. Well, Amanda, I am absolutely beside myself with excitement. I can barely sleep. It may not show. But uh, it, it is an exciting time for us all over here in WA. Yes, it is 24 years since uh, a rolling program of reform was promised by the then Minister for Lands. Here we are, uh, the day before the reforms start. Things were a bit busy here at the moment as a result of that, but delighted to be uh, talking to you. Yes, you will have what I understand is an amended Strata Titles Act, is that right? Or is it brand new? No, no, it's an amended act. Curiously, they didn't choose to take forward a new act. Um, it's created some issues. But, look, it is basically a new act in substance, even if not in name. So, basically, I don't think there's a section that's been left untouched. Mm, very interesting. Why did it take so long? Well, uh, back in 1996, 24 years ago, there were two events held at a big entertainment centre. Uh, 16,000 people attended those events in total. And for most of the time those events were on, uh, they were there screaming at the then Minister for Lands and, and bureaucrats, complaining about some very minor reforms that had been introduced without their knowledge, they thought. So the Minister, I think, was reasonably scarred by that. And... Uh, that lesson was learned uh, very deep, I think, also inside our land agency as well. So it's taken a while to recover from uh, that scarring process. There have been an enormous number of people on committees endeavouring to drive the reforms forward. It's been caught up in various political cycles over the years where the amendments have been progressed and then put back as we get closer to an election every four years. Uh, essentially, the reforms got a real kick along when the uh, local property council um, director, Lino, got interested, got developers interested in the prospects of community titles in WA, and that was the real spark back when the last uh, Liberal government was in power. And uh, now uh, the reforms were introduced by the Labor Party, but on a bipartisan basis, so there wasn't a lot of dissent in Parliament about the reforms, thankfully. Now, it's all being delivered in a rush. Uh, after 24 years, of course, this is how it all works, but uh, it was only two or three weeks ago we were told it was going to be introduced on the 1st of May and it was only last Friday we were given the last elements of the reforms, the uh, prescribed forms that are necessary. So it kills me that it's so urgent after 24 years, but here we are. 
Before we get into the changes that have been made, and I will ask you to let us know what the uh, the top need to know changes are. Can you tell us, Mark, what were some of the problems with your legislation? Well, uh, you know, Amanda, that every year I'd attend the conferences of strata lawyers and uh, I would say how great our legislation was in Western Australia. And that is entirely true, of course. I wouldn't tell a mistruth. But there were some shortfalls. One of the biggest shortfalls from the developer's perspective was the absence of community titles and the absence of leasehold strata. So both of those absences are being fixed by the uh, strata reforms. Um, so that was a significant element that was um, available option available to be used elsewhere in Australia, but not in Western Australia until recently. The other big missing element really was strata managers. In our still current Strata Titles Act, there was not one reference to strata managers, despite them being a significant industry. So it was felt that it was necessary to amend the Act at least to uh, get them included in the tent and then put some uh, limits and, and standards around their conduct. Just on community title schemes, do you have a lot of them? How do they work in WA? Is that similar to New South Wales? Not assuming that you'd be across that, but you have that separation between strata schemes and community schemes? Yeah, no, I am across what, what happens in New South Wales, Amanda. <laughs> we have none at the moment. The legislation for community titles hasn't yet uh, come into force and okay. won't a few more months but uh, we will get some. The legislation is different in Western Australia than in New South Wales because of differences around our subdivision legislation, but it is still uh, it's got some common features, tiered schemes, probably only going to work uh, in the larger parcels, such as at Breakfast Point in New South Wales. I'd expect to see a similar sort of take-up of those size sites here in Western Australia. I suspect we have learned a bit from New South Wales about some of the pitfalls with community title schemes. Hopefully we have anyway. And uh, they will be used where they are appropriate to be used. I know a lot of developers are, are pretty keen to get a hold of them and, and start to implement them. Mm. Or maybe they were before the world went topsy-turvy. Well, yeah, things have changed <laughs> the last three months. So what would you say, Mark, are the top five need-to-know changes for our listeners? Uh, number one, top of the list, if your audience is composed mostly of uh, lot owners, would be the changes around scheme management, strata scheme management. Uh, for the first time, there's an explicit recognition of the capability to have a vote outside of a general meeting, particularly useful in the current climate, of course. There are new limits on the powers of the strata councils, as we call them here, to expend money without authorisation from owners in general meeting. And there are explicit obligations now for the first time, both on councillors and also on strata companies generally about uh, how they make decisions, how they disclose things, et cetera. So that, that's number one change. Number two would be, as I've said already, the introduction of strata managers into the tent. So they mentioned in the Act and there are extensive provisions about uh, what strata managers can and can't do. Third change, most significant change in this area would be disputes. Essentially now, for the first time, the uh, State Administrative Tribunal in WA, the equivalent of NCAT, QCAT, VCAT, has got jurisdiction in all strata disputes. Fourth biggest change is developer obligations. I think there are new obligations on developers to give greater disclosure to sellers, but also to give uh, greater disclosure to the strata company when they hand over the books and records at the inception of the scheme. Next one would be seller disclosures generally. What's noteworthy, I guess, is that 
what's not in my list is scheme terminations. So the reforms do introduce a new process to terminate a scheme. What previously occupied two pages in our Strata Titles Act now occupies about three or 400 pages. So they're not one of my five top changes because I just think they've been made completely redundant and no one's going to be able to use them. You mentioned there, Mark, voting outside a general meeting. Do you mean electronic voting? Is that, has that been introduced? Uh, yes, well, it can be. It doesn't have to be electronic, actually. I guess you could do it by paper, but it's generally a provision that allows owners to pass resolutions outside of the confines of a general meeting. And there are requirements about ensuring the integrity of the vote and ensuring the participation of, of owners uh, in that process. There are also time limits on some of the resolutions. So you have to uh, have at least 28 days some of the key resolutions uh, for people to vote on them outside of a general meeting. And limits on council powers when it comes to spending, when it comes to decision-making? Yeah, so one of the great elements, I think, or aspects of the WA legislation before the reforms was that there was a fairly quick and easy process for councillors to either uh, spend money on urgent items without going back to owners in general meeting for that approval or alternatively send round a circular to all owners and uh, advising them of the proposed expenditure, putting the owners on owners to object to that. Now, that uh, simple, easy, quick process, which, which has been used, for example, to allow urgent building works to be conducted, to allow strata companies to engage lawyers urgently when necessary, uh, has been replaced with a far more restrictive regime on the power of councillors to undertake expenditure that's not already authorised by a budget. We'll see how that plays out. But, for example, instead of just sending around a notice, as you can now, uh, notifying owners of what the proposed expenditure is, that notice under the reforms will need to include at least two quotes. Uh, it'll need to include prescribed details about the expenditure and I think will therefore largely fall um, out of favour. For the strata company, I suppose, from the owner's perspective, this is an extra protection for them? Uh, look, it's an extra protection, but I've been doing this for a little while now, 20 plus years, and I haven't actually myself experienced a scheme where the strata council has engaged in uh, expenditure willfully or outside of its powers using these authorisation provisions. So I would say that the existing provisions haven't been abused in large part, but notwithstanding that, there has been, as I say, new limits introduced on uh, uh, councils expending that money. What parts of the new legislation, the new provisions, are you looking forward to seeing in use in practice? What did they get right? Well, uh, they got a lot right, I have to say. I have to give credit to Landgate. Um, what they got right, number one, I think, overall, was the fact that it was one of the best consultative processes I've ever been involved with for any area of the law and they're to be commended for that consultation process. What that produced in terms of the legislation that they got right I think was some changes to uh, seller disclosure so they haven't made it overly prescriptive. They have stopped buyers uh, who wish to avoid a bargain opportunistically avoiding those bargains uh, as was uh, occurring previously. Mm -hmm. I think overall the, the changes to scheme management have got the balance right in most areas. 
notwithstanding what I've said about the introduction of limits, for example, on council expenditure, I think overall they've got the scheme management uh, provisions right in balancing the need for flexibility and yet also ensuring owners have more information provided to them. One thing that will take a while to play out, but I think they also got right, is the introduction of a, a new provision in Australia that I don't think has occurred elsewhere to the effect that the strata company on inception is novated to the developer as against any building contract they entered into. So in effect, the strata company from inception is placed in the shoes of the developer as regards the contract uh, the developer had with the builder. Mm. And that will allow, obviously, some new contractual claims to be brought against builders that otherwise wouldn't be able to be brought because of Brookfield model text decisions and others. Uh, so that that is a new provision, I think, in Australia, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Prospectively also, um, I just wonder whether strata companies now might be able to say to the developer, well, can we please have that retention fund uh, you've kept? We'd like it. So we, we'll see what happens there. That, that I think, is a, a tremendous win for owners with builders who occasionally don't do the right thing. Another win, sustainability infrastructure, I think, um, the uh, power to install what might be loosely called sustainability infrastructure uh, has been uh, significantly improved, I think. There's uh, an ordinary resolution required if certain conditions are met. And there's also uh, the introduction of an explicit power for the strata company to improve common property. And that was necessary in the face of some adverse tribunal decisions asserting that uh, strata companies didn't have that power under the current legislation. Now, I think with respect to the tribunal, those decisions were not well argued before them and, and not correctly decided, but the reforms have introduced an explicit power, which now put that uh, absolutely beyond doubt. So they're the things that I think probably best sum up how Landgate got it right. I always found it a bit bizarre that your legislation didn't mention strata managers. Was that a problem? Has that been a problem? Uh, well, depends on your perspective. In New South Wales, of course, with the licensing regime that you have, it's a well-worn path there and well understood in terms of what the licensing obligations are and how that plays out. Uh, elsewhere around Australia, um, the licensing regimes are either non-existent or, or light touch, regulatory. In Western Australia, there's been no regulation at all and, and the concern was twofold about that. Number one, that managers hold for a long period of time large amounts of money, millions of dollars uh, in their accounts with minimal oversight, statutory oversight. And secondly, that uh, strata managers were in large part responsible for the maintenance of assets collectively worth billions of dollars around Western Australia. And there was no uh, educational qualifications uh, or prescribed or required for that. So, in that sense, yes, it could certainly lead to problems. There had been managers who unfortunately had decided that uh, them using the money was better than the strata company having the money <laughs> and occasionally managers just weren't up to the task with managing complex building assets. So uh, there was certainly a push from many people to introduce licensing. What resulted uh, from that, however, was not licensing but quasi-regulation really, and I think that's part of the problem. So managers are now in the tent, but the obligations on managers do not approach anything like a, license, a full licensing regime, notwithstanding those risks continue to exist. So, yes, I, I would say that problems had arisen occasionally. There was certainly greater risk for more problems to occur 
in the future with increasing size of schemes and complexity of assets and funds held. Um, but the solution to that that has sort of come out of the uh, consultative process is not an ideal one uh, with respect. You mentioned that now all strata disputes will go through the state administrative tribunal. I assume that means previously the applicant had a choice, is that right, if they went to a court? Yep, so that they still have a choice. In fact, um, in large part they still have a choice, but with cost consequences if, if they decide to go to a court. In reality, most people were already using the tribunal for run-of-the-mill disputes about breaches of bylaws, etc. But uh, under our provisions as they exist until tomorrow, people have the power to, for example, approach the court about a scheme termination, about a restructuring of the scheme, about uh, any sort of key resolutions uh, or any key decisions that would require unanimous resolution or, or resolution without dissent. So th there were probably 20 or 30 disputes a year that would appear in the courts uh, rather than in the tribunal, and they've now uh, all been brought into the purview of, of the tribunal. In terms of your practice, Mark, have you uh, added some team members and are looking forward to a productive year ahead? I haven't added uh, team members. I've upped their hours <laughs> and uh, probably uh, they've in, they tell me they're, they're working much harder even beyond the hours uh, I have increased them to. Uh, we do a lot of disputes work and I do anticipate an uptick in disputes work. The tribunal, for example, is now given power to terminate strata management contracts or to vary them or to, I guess, intervene generally in disputes between schemes and managers. So my overall assessment is probably looking about a 50% increase in disputes taken to the tribunal mm -hmm. and because of some issues with the drafting of the legislation, probably also about a 50% increase in interpretation difficulties in those disputes. Yes. Well, that has certainly been our experience in New South Wales. Our new legislation started in November 2016. I still refer to it as the new law, but I accept that it's nearly four years ago now, three and a half years ago. And we have certainly seen that additional workload when it comes to interpreting the legislation. It leads me to my next question. What did they get wrong? What are the loopholes? What are the problems that you are getting ready to solve? <laughs> I am ready to solve them already, of course, Amanda, because the reform starts tomorrow. That you tomorrow. should be. I'm not getting ready to. The, uh, the, the problems, well, and this should be taken in, in the spirit and recognised that I intended and then recognising that, as I say, the consultation process was exemplary. The outcome, unfortunately, was that uh, because of some limitations on resources at Parliamentary Council's office and because of the length of time it took to draft, there is a significant variation across the uh, amendments in their quality of drafting. So we do see in part some low quality and, and certainly some inconsistent drafting. You know, w words that mean one thing here are, are given a different meaning elsewhere and vice versa. So that's the number one problem which is going to lead to issues with interpretation, I think, go going forward for the tribunal. So we will see how that, how that plays out missing sections so you have a, a section that misses uh, it doesn't have i should say section 1a but it has 1b c and so on very you know minor stuff easy to rectify but just didn't get picked up in the final editing process uh second thing they got wrong and this is a political decision not at all a, a drafting issue or, or, or a land agency issue but uh, the political decision was not to introduce licensing 
but to introduce a form of quasi-licensing with power in SAT, as I say, to terminate contracts or to intervene in, in disputes with strata managers. So that is a, as they would say, a suboptimal outcome, I think, for owners, but probably also for managers. Uh, I think they got wrong scheme terminations. Again, political elements weigh heavily here. No politician wants to be the politician responsible for introducing legislation that allows the little old lady to be kicked out by a greedy developer, and that would be a very bad thing. But the outcome has been, as I say, with the introduction of hundreds of pages of legislation, that that process has been made effectively unworkable. From my perspective, if the parliament didn't trust the tribunal to reach a correct decision about a difficult issue like termination, then it could have handed that jurisdiction to the Supreme Court, for example, who just about every day make decisions about terminating co-ownership arrangements. So that would have been preferable, but the parliamentary decision was not to uh, not to do that. The regs, I think, uh, around council powers and strata companies' powers have, have been introduced in a way that's far too prescriptive. Maybe that's just my perspective, but I don't like being told what to do down to the minute detail. I think that can be counterproductive as lawyers and other participants tend to then work to those uh, minutiae rather than focusing on the bigger picture about what's actually occurring. And lastly, and curiously, at the last minute, there was a change to the uh, maximum amount, and this is a a detail that I think will will play out with some significance over time. There was a last-minute change introduced uh, allowing uh, what are termed volunteer strata managers much greater honoraria to be paid to them. So it was proposed to be, I think, $50 a lot that could be paid to a volunteer strata manager and they wouldn't have to comply with all of the requirements that a paid strata manager would. That $50 a lot as a volunteer went up at the last minute to $250 a lot. Wow. Which is not bad for a volunteer. Yeah. And the suspicion is that uh, it would allow developers who continue to own lots in schemes to be volunteer strata managers, earn $250 a lot from that, and I'm not sure that's a desirable outcome. Where did that last-minute change come from? I don't know, Amanda. (laughs) It wasn't something that came across my desk, I have to say. You were on holidays at that time, couldn't catch that No, I never go on holidays, always work. It's all all about work. Yeah. It would not be a podcast episode of mine, Mark, if I didn't mention bylaws. And in the uh, the few times that I have dipped into the Strata Titles Act WA, it seems to me that the bylaws adopted by a strata company really regulated much of the way that the company was managed. And am I right in thinking uh, you mentioned as one of the key changes that some of that management has now been enshrined in the legislation. So where yeah. we used to be be left to the bylaw making power for our day-to-day tasks, is that now in the legislation? So there's a few elements to pick up uh, from that. I would encourage you to dip into the WA uh, legislation a bit more often, Amanda. would like to see a good lawyer like you over here in WA. <laughs> but uh, in regards to the bylaws, uh, look, that they have changed significantly. The default bylaws, the ones that appear in the uh, each strata company's uh, uh, little back pocket by default, have been cut back somewhat and many of the provisions that were in those default bylaws previously now enshrined in the Act. So no longer will strata companies have the power to make changes to, for example, about how voting is conducted mm. and the like. Secondly, we have, however, retained a very broad power to make bylaws. 
So that broad power to make bylaws led to the Ceresa River Apartments decision dealing with residential use of lots. And I think in contrast, for example, to the bylaw making power in Victoria and uh, Queensland as well. So that has been retained, but the content of the bylaws uh, has been cut back, of the default bylaws has been cut back somewhat. And the flexibility of owners in Western Australia to make their own bylaws about those issues has been removed. One key change in regard to a default bylaw that's been removed is the default bylaw dealing with uh, kids playing on common property. That's gone. So, Sorry, what did that say? No kids allowed? In effect, yeah, no kids allowed right. um, without adult supervision. So a 16-year-old couldn't supervise their 14-year-old sibling while they played basketball on the basketball courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that default bylaw has been removed. Uh, now some owners are upset about that and concerned about liability issues, but I don't think it's going to create significant liability issues, but it should prevent those sorts of allegations being made that someone down the back is letting their kid run a mark on the common property uh, if, in fact, that's not occurring. And provisions about unreasonable, unconscionable, harsh, unjust bylaws, have you got into yeah. that? Yeah, all of that, all of that. I've got right into that. Uh, so <laughs> I should hasten to add that none of the bylaws we draft would ever be characterised as that. Of course not. Uh, our bylaws are only ever drafted in a way that's reasonable and balanced and conscionable. But uh, there are some bylaws drafted by strata companies themselves and perhaps uh, by other people that uh, could be described as harsh and unconscionable or unconscionable. And most broadly of all, the, uh, a new restriction has been introduced on bylaw making power that the bylaws must be reasonable or must not be unreasonable. Right. So uh, that hasn't existed previously. I could think of many schemes where the bylaws in place could only be described as unreasonable in their entirety. So I suspect that'll be one of the factors driving up um, uh, disputes and, and applications to the West Australian Tribunal. Mm, so though you've taken the Queensland route of unreasonable. We couldn't get that far in New South Wales and we settled with unconscionable. Yeah, look, I, I think, it, frankly, it wouldn't be necessary if bylaws were drafted by lawyers because lawyers have obligations that others don't in how they do their legal work and, and what they can do. But the problems arise in large part, in my assessment, with bylaws drafted either in-house without the benefit of legal advice or by, on occasion, strata managers drafting them and just not taking account of all of the interests that they need to take into account. So it's probably a fair thing that this restriction has been introduced and hopefully we will see the tribunal striking out some of the worst examples of uh, of those bylaws. You mentioned Mark Sarisa River. I'm assuming nothing in the new legislation changes the outcome or the effect of that decision. You're not specifically dealing with short-term letting in the legislation? No, no. No, we're not, and I just had to mention it because, of course, it was a stirring win for us. Um, <laughs> I will put a link to the decision in the show notes. The uh, the bylaw-making power in that regard hasn't been changed. It hasn't been cut back. It hasn't been uh, increased. We still have the same restriction on a bylaw operating so as to restrict the leasing of a lot, which was at issue in Ceresa River Apartments. So my view remains the same that in Western Australia you couldn't introduce a bylaw banning uh, leases under a a certain duration or licences under a certain duration. We haven't introduced New South Wales type of, you know, specific Airbnb uh, bylaws. Which are not 
directed at all to just Airbnb, of course. Nobody oh, would should, ever say that or think that. I should say that. That was I misspoke. <laughs> Short-term letting platforms. Operators, yes, indeed, Thank hosts. You. Thank you for pointing that out. Now, Mark, how can our uh, listeners find out more about you way, way over there in Western Australia? And uh, please do add anything that you would like to wrap up with. Uh, Thanks, Amanda. Unfortunately, uh, none of the interstate people are going to be let into Western Australia at the moment. (laughs) Uh, We have shut our borders firmly, and I understand that's going to remain, uh, remain the case for some time. But, hey, marvel of the modern world. LinkedIn, call me 089-221-7033 or email at markA at atkinsonlegal.com.au. I'm always happy to chat. I'm always happy to talk about Strata. I can talk about it endlessly. I love the work. So I'd encourage uh, your owners who may have an investment property in Western Australia or may live in uh, WA Strata property to uh, to give me a call or, or to shoot me an email and then I'll see what I can help you with. Just in wrapping up, the reforms in Western Australia do present significant opportunities for lot owners, I think, for developers all, all as well in a balanced way, but, but for lot owners. And I would encourage lot owners to participate in the information and education sessions that are being made available by various organisations over the next month or so uh, to educate themselves more about the reforms. Yes, and I think you have been rather humble there, Mark, in uh, thanking others and noting their hard work. I know, even though I am on the other side of the country, that you too have been very heavily involved in getting these reforms right, getting them across the line and uh, doing your bit to share the need-to-know information and educating our owners, our managers and our strata companies about this new law. So have fun with that. Too, too kind, Amanda, too kind. It's been a group effort in, in my firm. Uh, there have been many, many people in my firm who've participated over the years, I have to say. We are delighted that they are being introduced. Uh, it's a pity it's all occurring in a rush at the moment when we're dealing with a virus. But, yes, the reforms overall are a tremendous, uh, I think, boon to WA Strata. Good to hear. And thank you for your time. Absolute pleasure. See you on the other side. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?